0: Welcome to Razzlefrab. We're back to talk books. I'm Ashton, aka Contemporary Catwoman.
1: Hi, and I'm Lila,
0: um, Eclectic Earth Witch. So, how have you been since we recorded last? What's new with you? Um, a lot of work. Uh,
1: just kind of keeping things busy. Trying to read a book a week. It's gotten a little dicey. <laughs> it's very noble. Yeah,
0: but um, but how are you doing? I'm good. I officially ended my position at the literary agency I was working for, which was sad. And I miss them all, but it was a great experience. Um, and I'm hoping that I can use that experience to get a full-time job elsewhere soon. Um, so I same, I've just been really busy with work, picking up more hours um, at my retail job. Uh, mm. so, that's all that's new with me, other than I got my cartilage pierced, which is not relevant to this, but <gasps> it's a, see. like, fun development awesome, for me, cute. so, yeah,
1: that's I'm, all that's new with me. I remember the cartilage piercing was, like, the bad bitch piercing in high yeah, school. Yeah, I feel
0: like a badass. Because,
1: like, it was, I, I I don't have that, but it was, like, the, um the girls that got it were always telling saying how it like hurt the most and they just always had the like little hoop at the end and they they were the girls that wore like all the bracelets Mm -hmm. up the wrist like the alex and ani bracelets and jingled when they walked (laughs) yeah
0: i right now it's just a stud but i can't wait to switch it out for a hoop but the healing time takes so much longer than a normal stud so that'll be like a new year project for me
1: yeah um i always wanted to be the girl that like had a bunch of piercings um like on my ears and stuff i have three on each side but uh i haven't branched out from there like i never got a nose piercing even Mm -hmm. though like at times i thought about it i actually really liked the look of the um eyebrow piercings Mm -hmm. but like you had to you had to have really good eyebrows for that and and (laughs) maintain them well and i am um lazy. So yeah. you know. That's yeah. just kinda how that route went. That would not work. But yeah. That's exciting. Um yeah. same thing with trying to find full time work in an industry. <laughs> it's a it's a struggle out there. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. But in the meantime it's good to keep yourself busy and what have you been um up to reading wise since we last spoke. It's been a month which Wow.
0: (laughs) I know it's crazy that it's been a month. Um well obviously I read our like book club pick Beautiful World Where Are You and I'll talk more about that later but aside from that I got into a Stephen King groove and I read his memoir on writing and then I read his first two novels. like back to back to back. Um kind of like, it's spooky season, i wanted something, Stephen King. So that would be Carrie is his first novel, and then um, Salem's Lot. So Carrie is, I feel like way behind. I've never seen the movie or read the book, but, you know, Carrie is the telekinetic girl who um, just wants to fit in, but she has these powers, so they all torment her. and of course. And, and, yeah, right? And they, um, you know, invite her... To the prom, one of the popular boys invites her to the prom, kind of as a joke and kind of to make up for all the torment, but then it goes terribly wrong and um, you know, she kind of goes about destroying the town. Um, that That's <laughs> not even a spoiler, do. it's just like in the it's in the description. But yeah, but I really felt for Carrie, I really loved her, and I never thought like I would root for someone to destroy an entire town with fire, but I kind of was like I get it, girl. Like that's <laughs> fair. <laughs> um, and I, I thought it was interesting in his memoir. He said he threw Carrie away. Like he printed out the manuscript and thought it was like trash, so he threw it away. And his wife saved it from the garbage and was like, "No, you need to finish this." So kudos to Stephen King's wife. Mm. Um, Women save the day. Uh, yeah, like exactly. Always. I. They know. No one's surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that was Carrie and um. Then I read Salem's Lot, which is his vampire novel. Um, really? Yeah, it's his, I don't know if it's his only one. I think it's his only one, I want to say. Um, but it was really good. It's really long. Not as long as It, but mm. it's it's pretty, it's like 700 pages.
1: Wait, why is it, I'm sorry to interrupt, but why is it vampires? Like Salem, I'm automatically think it's about witches. I know.
0: Well, so Salem's Lot is short for Jerusalem's Lot and... Oh. So it's like apostrophe Salem's wow. lot. I
1: would have never, never guessed
0: that. Yeah, so it sounds witchy, but it is not. It's Vampire, um, and it, it's really good. Um, it took me a few times to start and finish because I was just never in the right mood for it, and it's kind of longer. So that's why I've read l- I've read fewer books this month because they've been a little longer because they're Stephen King. But it was really good. I gasped, and I was like really invested in the characters. And I think this is the book that kind of turned me on Stephen King's style because when I read it I was like oh my god where's your editor man like so much of this needs to be cut. But with Salem's Lot it's a lot of the same. He writes like in a very verbose style and you're like do we really need all this? But then it all kind of came back later and I felt I think I was so invested in how the story turned out and the characters because he gave me all of the background of the town and those characters. So it wasn't entirely necessary but it was part of the reason that I felt so absorbed in the novel. So it kind of kind of grew on me but I don't want to read a book like that all the time. Mm -hmm. But it was a nice break. So yeah, so those are my first two for the month. Um, what have you been up to? More diversity than me, I'm sure. Um,
1: yeah, I, I have not read any Stephen King, and um, I'm not good with Spooky. Uh, I, I'm going to try to branch out, but so I've mentioned, if anybody's listening from episode one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hi. Uh, <laughs> I did read Joan Didion's White Album, so it... Kind of sadly was my first Joan Didion foray, and it was it's a collection of essays, so it's nonfiction published in 1979. And believe it or not, it was remarkably relevant for even something I read as today because it's like a small sharp stab in the heart a little (laughs) that society has not progressed as much as we would have liked. She kind of. Reflects on her journalistic travels between the years 1966 and 71. She's from Los Angeles and um, She encounters all different kinds of people like political figures religious figures socialites and even like Jim Morrison like there's a there's a scene where she's in the studio with the doors and she's watching them riff off each other and it's kind of like a different look at the the doors band because Morrison wasn't even in the picture throughout most of the narrative she's talking about it was like afterwards uh, he comes in like kind of just grumpy and moody and probably on drugs and um, she kind of was trying to showcase that like the band was more than just Jim Morrison gyrating in leather pants and stuff <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean he talented it but so, um, and so it was interesting to read all this because I know she's more well-known for her later works that she wrote after this, which is uh, her, one of her most famous ones is, uh, The Year of Magical Thinking, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, fiction. Um, and I just, like, for this book, like, you could tell it was, like, her, one of her first works, just be writing-wise in a book. Because it felt younger. It felt newer. She felt less confident and sure of what she was telling you was A, relevant and B, um, interesting. Like, why would you want to read what she's experiencing? But I thought it was great because, to be honest, she just has this way of telling you what happened and telling you how she's dealing with her own emotions at the same time because she suffers from depression and migraines and all these things. And it's just kind of like you don't you don't necessarily sympathize with her, but you understand her, and I think that's hard to convey as a writer sometimes and she has this like quote that opens up the piece that I just love, love love, and it's we tell ourselves stories in order to live, so I just think that's ugh, I really like that chef's kiss, but um, yeah, so that was like my little feminist book that um i was I read in September. And then I've also read Jade City by Fonda Lee. So this is totally like different, uh, ballpark, stadium, whatever sports reference you want to give it. And it basically like is this adventure book, uh, novel thing, um, where it was like, set in this fictional country called Kekon or whatever I don't know how to pronounce it but I'm just gonna read the quick little flap because it's easier than me trying to ramble off what it's about so it says for centuries honorable Greenbone warriors have used magical jade to enhance their abilities and defend the island of Kekon from foreign invasion now the war is over and a new generation vies for control of Kekon's bustling capital city Four siblings of the powerful Call family must prepare for battle, and the fragile peace between the clans is about to break. So, right off the bat, you know, it's like a lot of conflict, and family, and honor, and there is mysticism, um, there's supernatural ability, and it's just a good world that you can get lost in. It's part of a series, so if you enjoy Jade City, there's two more books after it. Um, I thought it was really cool because it had a really fast pace, and it, uh, in one of the reviews it said it was kind of like a Hong Kong gangster movie, which I liked. It did definitely have the mob mentality with the head of the family and all that <laughs> jazz. So, um, highly recommend if you want something a bit
0: more fantastical. But yeah. it's that's a good rec. I'm always interested in, in more recs like that. I... So, these next two are ones that I'm in the middle of. One is an audiobook, I'm Reading Educated by Tara Westover, um, which is about her time in a Mormon cult in Utah and Idaho. And then she goes to college at BYU and learns everything she didn't know about the world that was kept from her. And it's really interesting. Um, Like, her personal story is interesting, of course, but also how we think about education generally and what does it mean to get an education and be a member of society and a citizen of the world and i am really enjoying it so far i've just started that and then the other that i'm reading is filthy animals by brandon taylor love that title it's really it's so brandon taylor debuted last summer with real life which i loved um, loved loved and this is his second book. It's a collection of linked short stories about college students in the Midwest. And, um, I'm only a few stories in, so I will keep you updated on that. But I wanted to mention it here. Um, I have high hopes. I really like Brandon Taylor.
1: Yeah. And this is, that's a fiction book or is it? It's fiction. It is fiction. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a collection of stories. Cool. Um, I'm, uh, I'm reading yet another non-fiction book, um, Called Black Swans by Eve Babbitt. So this book, honestly, it is fiction, but she is just she's so fun. I caught myself laughing out loud on the um the subway the other day, and I was like, <laughs> "Girl gets <it> together." Uh, <laughs> but so she's she's a socialite in California. I guess I have this thing for Californian feminists. Um, I love that. From you know, she was very active in the social circles from the mm-hmm. 50s until her, until her death, and I just love how she talks about all of her crazy love affairs, her obsession with Proust, and, like, she's just allowed herself to be swept away in her own passions, and she's able to admit it. She doesn't shy away from saying that you know i fucked up and i let myself be in this relationship with this toxic man and it alienated me from all my friends and i got to the point where i avoided people that loved me because i knew how they would perceive me and i just didn't want that reality check and she does it in such yes a poignant way but also such a funny freaking way there was this line in it something about like i know nothing about tibet you can take everything that I know about Tibet and write, roll it up in a piece of paper and feed it to a yak. Because I don't know anything about Tibet. It's like that is such a random freaking line, That's but it's funny. so great. And I mean, there's more to the concept of what mm-hmm. she's talking about later on. But it's just great. And and I think it's ironic that I, I mentioned earlier about Joe and Didion sitting in on the doors because uh, Miss Eve had an affair with jim morrison so she's she's a uh, she lived a crazy life and it's great because it's like it shows that you know a lot of the stereotypical literati as we mm-hmm. like to call them the famous literary sectors and people mm-hmm. that uh run between them are typically in new york and the city uh but this showcases that they're in la as well it's not just the hollywood you know tans and and bright smiles and things like that it's there's also people that are well educated and there's old money there's new money clearly over mm. there but it was just a nice um telling of a, of a pl- time and collection of people that i personally wouldn't have thought to read about because mm-hmm. i i get like tend to go more towards things that are occurring in people that live in New York Mm -hmm. just because it's just more my M.O. So, yeah. But um, I want to transition a little um, because those are things that we have read in the past or are currently reading. And we actually did read a book together. Mm -hmm. For the first time. Yeah, because we've gone back and forth talking about books and mm-hmm. giving each other recs and reading them at different mm-hmm. times. So we made the ambitious attempt, which we succeeded we, yeah, on, we yeah, there you go us, of reading the newest book by Miss Sally Rooney, Beautiful World, Where Are You? So um, I just wanted to say that before we like give you a little review of what we thought and what the book's about. Um, we'll try not to give you any spoilers. So we're gonna rate the book um, and we're gonna give it a razzle frat rating. So to explain what that means, instead of boring stars or numbers, we've made our own rating system because why not? Um, so a razzle, it's amazing. It's a perfection. You can do no wrong if you get a full razzle. Good for you. A frat is is trash. (laughs) Um, Just like the parties that they throw, it's trash. Uh, Empty beer cans, a tapped keg, and just... You feel gross. you You know, someone's underwear is lying on the floor, and you don't want to touch it. So, you know, hint of regret in the air, I guess, is a frat. And then a razzle frat is obviously a mix, it's like beautiful garbage, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> it smells, it's a little weird, but you still look at it, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, when they take the garbage art thing that they do, mm-hmm. play in places, and they like, like
0: repurpose yeah, garbage, yeah, it's yeah,
1: like, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like our, our concept of Roy Gilmore. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. I think she's a razzle frat, for um, sure. <laughs> Sure. For we sure. love her. We hate her. We gotta have her. You know what's all those? Yes. Yeah. You love those. to hate her. You hate to love her. Yeah. Same thing. Mixed feelings. Yes. Yeah. know And then so the rest, if we give like a half, a quarter, whatever we decide, because there's really no rules in this world that we live in. Um, you'll you'll pick it up, and if, if you don't, it's, it's totally fine too. But <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you want to give kind of the synopsis of what? beautiful world where are you is about for the readers or listeners or whoever is tuned in
0: absolutely it's kind of hard to describe so i'm going to read um one of the paragraphs from the synopsis on the flap um alice felix eileen and simon are still young but life is catching up with them they desire each other they delude each other they get together they break apart they have sex they worry about sex they worry about their friendships and the world they live in Are they standing in the last lighted room before the darkness, bearing witness to something? Or will they find a way to live and believe in a beautiful world? So I think that is a good overview. It is four main characters that we stay with throughout the book. And in between, I would say it's mostly focused on the women. And in between the chapters, um, we... We get some letters back and forth between them, but the main characters in the novel, you have Alice. She is a very self-reflective novelist who has secluded herself away after a breakdown. She was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Eileen, her friend from college, she's kind of a wayward working professional, just kind of floating through life and looking for meaning. Felix. Uh, he's a late bloomer, and he's very non-committal. He is in a relationship with Alice. Kind of. Uh, yeah, well, well, that's that's a very uh, loose term. Yeah. Um, but he's kind of, like, linked with Alice. And then you have Simon. He's emotionally stunted, a workaholic, in a, air quotes, relationship with Eileen. So you have the four characters, and they they're all they all connect to each other in different ways. Like you could like draw a diagram and lines between them and how they interact, but those are our main protagonists. Um, So I think, I don't know, I thought it was very slow to start. Which is not unusual in my experience for a Sally Rooney novel. I think both of her novels actually, sorry, Normal People and Conversations with Friends. um, I think they both started out slow, but at the end I was very invested in both of the stories. And I think that's not unlike my experience here. Because once I got into it and I realized who all the characters were and how they fit together, I really wanted to finish it and see where it was going. And I think I read it in like three days.
1: Yeah, I think I had a similar experience with that although mine was a little more out of frustration on why i was invested in it it was a seriously slow start yeah. for me like more so than her previous books which yeah. is like rooney's typical she builds yes yeah. that's, that's just how she writes but with this one i feel like i was just like just get on with it yeah just stop fucking around yeah. and like just say what you want to say or no. do what you want to do and it took them so long to get to that yeah. point that I was
0: just like pulling my hair out a little. Yeah there's background and then there's too much background and I think she yeah I will agree with that and I think it was frustrating for me because she introduced these characters without giving us much about them and then there were a couple of pages later like early on in the book but where she just spilled their whole histories like in one page you know. know what I mean so it wasn't like <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, wait, who are these people? How do they know each other? And then all of a sudden you get three pages on like, you know, from Eileen's childhood to where she is now. So it felt like very disproportionate and like weird. I will say that about the beginning.
1: Although the way you just said that kind of makes me think It's, it's sort of like the concept of when you meet a new friend. Mm -hmm. So you connect or whatever, you meet a new friend, you learn a little bit about them, that makes you be like, okay, I want to hang out with Mm -hmm. this person again, or I want to drink with this person, or I want to, you know, go home with this person, whatever. And you, you focus mainly on those points of connection in the Mm -hmm. beginning. So it's a very slow build and it's very superficial. Mm -hmm. And then you hit a turning point in a relationship where a friend becomes a best friend or mm-hmm. a confidant or whatever, and they become more to you in your, mm-hmm. in your life, and then you start spilling all of your past or, or more of your personality that you don't always show mm-hmm. right up front, and I feel like that's kind of what yeah. that is. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I didn't think about that before, but the way you just phrased that, it's kind of like gaining a new friend. Yeah. And it was almost like Rooney was like, okay, well, I kind of trust you now, so I'm just going to unleash all this fucking baggage, and then you're going to just want to know everything about me, because Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you just enough that you're like, wait, what? Yeah. But yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's a really good point, and I think that that's really interesting. Though, as a reader... I was frustrated with Sally Ruby. I was like, what? Like, this is Why? too much to absorb at one time. Like, I'm not going to remember it all. If you give me, like, little bits and pieces as we go, I can store it away. But if you just give me three full pages of her whole life story, then I found myself later, when they would allude to that, having to go back and, like, remind myself certain things about their childhoods because I got it all at once and it was hard to take in.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, how did you feel about the form of the book? It was different... I loved it. Than her past ones, right?
0: Yeah, it was. I think this is her only novel that every other chapter is a letter. Well, it's like an email letter. um, Modern letters. Modern letters between Alice and Eileen. And I really liked that. I think I always love a novel in letters. um, And I think that this was a really interesting way to have the characters discuss really deep philosophical topics in a way that didn't seem like I don't know if they were talking about these things in real life I would say like "Eh, I don't know like no one really talks like that in real life but I think when you're emailing or you're writing a letter to someone it gives you a certain freedom um to express your thoughts and just kind of spill everything you're thinking that maybe you don't always have in person with someone you know like I feel like yeah you have more time in between conversations to think about what you're gonna say and you know i feel like when you're writing to when you're just writing in an email i would at least feel more open yeah you're more thoughtful yeah you're more thoughtful and i feel like you can be more vulnerable when you're not like actually yeah. for me personally that rang true
1: yeah i mean like also i think i think one of the contributing factors might have been that the two women conversing were very literarily inclined. Yeah. You know
0: word, literarily,
1: whatever it, it is it now. Is, yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've coined a word. Call mm-hmm. up Webster. Genius. Um But Alice is a novelist. She's mm-hmm. written two successful novels. And
0: sound like anyone you know? I AKA know. The a lot of people.
1: We'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, a lot of people are speculating that mm-hmm. Alice is based on Rooney. But. Um, And then you have Eileen, who works at a literary magazine. Mm -hmm. She works um, in copy editing, mostly, Mm -hmm. from what they describe her tasking. Mm -hmm. And so she's surrounded, they're both surrounded by um, people in that world, people Mm -hmm. that talk like that, um, conversations that are are just more in the critical theory sphere is essentially. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that the two women who bonded over their college years, which are when, you know, you think you're the smartest, mm-hmm. when you can have the adult conversations and mm-hmm. you know, you're you're talking about things that you never talked about as a mm-hmm. child and you know, blah blah blah. I was a dumbass in college. <laughs> same. Um, I mean say still am. But I think for the two of them they were able to reflect on all those different points and be very um, in-depth with how they share their reflections is yeah. just because of what type of character they represent or mm-hmm. they are, I guess. Yeah. And um, I think that's also a way for Rooney to ruminate on a mm-hmm. lot of different things was through these two mm-hmm. characters who are literally inclined. Because if you're reading a if you're reading a novel about, I don't know, like a person that works in retail, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, everybody works in retail. I've worked in retail, and um, and they're not, say, they're not like some kid putting themselves through school. Like they mm-hmm. love they love fashion or whatever. Mm-hmm. They might not be as in, you know literarily inclined. And might not have such crazy Mm worldviews about certain things and histories that you read about in obscure texts, Mm -hmm. which is what they refer to in half the emails. Yeah. And, um, or famous authors or whatever. Mm -hmm. They might not have those kind of conversations Mm -hmm. between friends. Right. So, I think that...
0: Conversations with friends.
1: (gasps) Oh, you see (laughs) what I just (laughs) said? Oh!
0: (laughs) <laughs> um, that was
1: intentional completely, but I think that's, yeah. she kind of, mm, I don't want to say it was an, an easy out, what yeah. she did, for her to share these thoughts and mm-hmm. and feelings, um, yeah. in a very intellectual way, mm-hmm. because she created intellectual characters. I'm not saying uh, retail workers or anything, or anybody else is an, an intellectual yeah. person. I'm just saying But that's the what they do. With p- the way they speak. Yeah. And, um- you know just the kind of language that yeah. is chosen yeah is very reflective mm-hmm. of the kind of characters she's developed in the book yeah. and i think that's just i don't know a little too on the nose i mean I, I love it yeah i love it i'm not i feel like i'm just completely critical right now but i i don't know um I don't know. that I was one of my
0: <laughs> just I that was one of the things I loved about it you mentioned the language and the way they speak um I think the questions that the characters that Alice and Eileen raise in their emails are things that I think about constantly um and I but I don't know how to articulate it and I think that they did that very well or Sally Rooney did that very well you know these big philosophical questions they seem really overwhelming and I'm not saying the book solved them but the book at least gave me on multiple occasions like a language with which to speak about these topics like um you know it can beauty be objective what is beauty is it just aesthetic pleasure is it a feeling you know where where do we find beauty is there a god if so what does that look like um these kinds of questions that are mostly in my head I felt like the characters a lot of times were describing exactly how I was feeling and I really liked that about the novel. Um Yeah. So yeah, it is a little on the nose, but I don't know what that says about me, but I I really liked it and those letters between I Alice and Eileen were my favorite part of the book.
1: Yeah. No, I I I agree. Um I particularly was just kind of like chuckled to myself, but I kind of smiled when mm-hmm. she was talking about the distraction of, of sex and love and mm-hmm. humanity and just how how they're generally considered something so trivial in a lot of grand scheme mm-hmm. of things, but they're, they're, she reflects on them in juxtaposition with the world's diminishing resources mm-hmm. and economic impact of capitalism mm-hmm. and, like, serious hard topics that, Mm -hmm. like, are discussed, like, the UN and all that, and she's, she's taking them into little bite-sized pieces about how, like, you know, and I, I think it was Eileen that was bringing it up, Mm -hmm. and, and she was saying how, like, you know, I want to care about the environment, I want to care about Mm -hmm. the fact that the, the world's on fire, Mm -hmm. and that, like, you know, there's war and poverty Mm -hmm. and strife, and, and that us as humans are basically shit in the bed. Yeah. We're, like, we're fucking things up and we're making it worse. And, mm-hmm. you know, I want to think about those things and I want to be cognizant of my own footprint mm-hmm. and and how I can change it or if I can change it. But at the same time, I'm sitting here ruminating over whether or not a boy likes me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, will I ever get over this heartbreak? Or, mm-hmm. you know, am I desirable? Like, mm. all those small things that we all feel no one's immune to these feelings. Um you know, whether someone is into you or or love or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just interesting how Eileen's kind of putting it out there saying, I think I'm selfish. I think, you know, I'm a bad person Mm -hmm. because I I focus so much on these things and I Mm -hmm. become so tunnel visioned Mm -hmm. and and she's saying, but at the end of the day, like, I think I also have to learn not to be so hard on myself mm-hmm. because it just means that I'm human, yeah, and that I have flaws just like everybody else. And I think that's what just makes her want to root for humanity. That she yeah. says something like, I-, "I root for us to survive, just because we're willing to like see all this problem, these problems mm-hmm. in the world and and still be like, okay, well, mm-hmm. wh- why didn't this fucker call me back? Right, well, like, <laughs> yeah, like we can literally, there's fires going on in California mm-hmm. right now, and like you, you can still sit yeah. there and r- look over your text messages mm-hmm. and, and wonder what went wrong or, right,
0: you know, and look at timestamps yeah. and stuff. And so, I, I really, that's a, that's a good point. Like the juxtaposition is huge and it's very stark and I really like that because as I say like that's one of the things that I wrestle with all the time is I get caught up in my own selfish concerns you know why don't I have a job in my industry yet you know when am I gonna go home and see my mom you know just like these little things and then you know like you said like the world is on fire there are you know human rights crises all over the world there are lots of things that I always think I should care more about and I think the book in a way speaks to that and also gives you permission to be a human being in the midst of all that. You know and say like the fact that we care so much about each other and that we have this love and passion for each other and ourselves in our lives and engaging with our own worlds in that way is also a big thing we should care about. Mm -hmm. You know so like I think it's it grapples with finding a balance between the selfish and the global. And that's something that I struggle with myself. So I, I really liked that. But I I like specifically how Sally Rooney is saying, in a way, these things are trivial, as you said, but in another way, they're really not. And caring about each other and your own life, in some ways is just as important as caring about those other issues. Because You have to have both, you know, why would we save the planet and save, you know, if you're not going to, save the planet for what? You know? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. save the planet so that, for humanity, so humanity can continue. So you have to continue to nurture your own humanity and relationships to make the saving the planet or, you know, insert whatever crises here, you know, (laughs) like. Pick A, B, C, or D, all will end in death. I know. Love this world for us. Um, (laughs) But I... I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's not that Sally Rooney is saying don't care about those things. I think she's saying care about both. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. It's, like, kind of, like, I have, like, another point that I was, I wanted to talk to you about because it's, like, that constant striving for happiness thing Mm -hmm. that everybody's always talking about. Like what's gonna make you happy? Yeah. What's gonna make me happy? Mm -hmm. Are you having um self-care time? Mm -hmm. Like all this stuff that a lot of people have truly Mm -hmm. been discussing. It's been around, but truly been Mm -hmm. discussing in the past like two years because of, you know, pandemic and all that. Mm -hmm. Um I think it's interesting is that what if like do we actually really want to achieve happiness mm-hmm. or do we want to just continue trying to and it's like that whole the yeah. journey is what's really right. matters and there's a part where it's eileen again you can tell i uh kind of liked eileen a little bit better than alice because i feel no, like same. i
0: just
1: <laughs> i want to talk about them too but just the point where um eileen is is kind of saying maybe I don't want to be happy mm-hmm. maybe I like being miserable mm-hmm. I like being sad and it's like that twisted pleasure of, of mm-hmm. p- a self-pity that a lot of us sometimes live in I know I'm guilty of it mm-hmm. and I think like a lot of the things that we could talk about which we don't need to go into too depth too much depth but it's that whole um sad girl phenomenon mm-hmm. where everybody's just kind of embracing the fact mm-hmm. that like, we suffer from depression or anxiety or all these things. We cry a lot. Like, a lot of, I know a lot of people say they take their selfies right after a good cry. Because mm-hmm. when they glow or something, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I <laughs> do not glow after I've cried. I've got, like, dried snot and yeah. puffy eyes. And I think I look like I'm allergic to bees and got stung by a hornet's nest. Yeah, I don't have the sparkly cry gene. No, I don't. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's. Yeah, it's ugly. But, like, that phenomenon of just embracing Mm -hmm. being all up in your feelings (laughs) and and just being okay with not being okay. And I think that's an interesting conversation that Sally's trying to put Mm -hmm. forth with people Mm -hmm. and saying, yes, this isn't necessary, and yes, it's okay, but also, do you want this to be your driving factor. Right. And I think a lot of what she's talking about in it, especially with the emails,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is what's your driving factor? What's mm-hmm. your purpose? Like, do you need a purpose? And, yeah. oh, there's so many questions out of the questions that she <laughs> poses. Um, and I haven't talked about this with anyone yet because like yeah. no one I know so far has mm-hmm. read it. So um, I'm going all in with you. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs>
0: no that's a good question and I think that's something that I thought about too and I think Sally Rooney is asking in addition to like do we want to achieve happiness can we can we achieve happiness in this world what and what does it look like um and I think she's saying you know it doesn't have to be the way you've always imagined it and you know it's important to keep asking these questions even when you are in a place of, quote, happiness in your life. Um, And I think she's also asking about, personally, I felt like anyway, like she's asking about the ethics of personal happiness. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) is it, not can you be happy? But like, at times, like, is it even like ethical to be happy when there is so much suffering in the world? (gasps) And I think Sally Rooney says yes. I think she says it's okay. okay. I think she's... I think. Um, and this is my personal philosophy, too, that, yes, I think it's important. And I th- I, th- I do think it's ethical for you to be happy, even in a world with so much suffering. Um, because otherwise, I think the world would have, like, no beauty or happiness in it as the alternative. And, like,
1: oh God, I'm not heavy. gonna...
0: I'm not gonna... I don't want to live in a world like that, you know? So that doesn't mean, like, you should not care about things in the world but i think like i think sally's saying like you can do both no yeah. yeah yeah that's real heavy real it deep. is so, yeah um, but the, like I that is spiral.
1: if we continue this uh, <laughs> that's route. the nature of the book
0: <laughs> right i <laughs> which know which is why it's so
1: brilliant i know it really is a great book though um we'll talk like briefly briefly about the characters themselves mm-hmm. just because i feel like that's what the book is where it's about what we've just discussed, but it's it's told through the lens of these four individuals: Alice, Simon, Felix, and Eileen, mm-hmm. and um, the way they share their emotions, deal with their problems, <laughs> or not deal. I was with. gonna say. <laughs> um. Look, I'm just gonna put this out there. I think there's there's a part where Simon is conversing with Eileen, and he's saying like. I don't have that great capacity to share what I'm feeling Mm -hmm. or tell you what I want. And, you know, a lot of people, men and women, because Alice has that trait too, where they can't always, um, talk about Mm -hmm. what's going on on the inside with them. And to be honest, I think all four of them are emotionally constipated.
0: Yes. To different degrees. They...
1: Dysfunction up the wazoo,
0: to be honest.
1: Yes. In that most, you know,
0: eloquent way. <laughs> I agree. And I know you mentioned earlier that you liked Eileen more. Same. I think, I will say, I think the book is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But, and sorry to Sally Rooney because I know Alice is basically like, I know. We can, like, that's a conversation for another day. But, like, <laughs> Alice is so whiny about oh me oh my I'm a famous writer and oh no and I think that and she comments on it too she's like I know it may seem you know like I'm speaking from a place of privilege and you know I it's not fair so but that just saying that I think doesn't excuse it like I think it's easy to complain about this kind of thing when you are a famous writer like I, I don't know I think I was really not pleased with Alice and how whiny she was about her station in life when she's literally a famous novelist um which just means that she's like the most successful in her field that she can be
1: yeah I I agree I it felt like she was disconnected with reality a little bit um i I remember texting you when I was reading mm-hmm. that scene towards <laughs> the end. Um, I will not try, try not to give anything away. Yeah. But I just remember reading it and and the interaction between Alice and Eileen. And they're in person. They're not on mm-hmm. email, so it's real time. And I just remember thinking, you're such a bitch. Yeah. Like, I just, I was like, you know what? She's pouring her art out to you and... Mm-hmm. You know, she's trying to explain Mm -hmm. all these things. And you're sitting over there, mopey-dopey, because you haven't seen her or whatever. Yeah. And then, I'm sorry, but (laughs) uh, Felix's contribution to this fight between friends Mm -hmm. um, is unnecessary. Yeah. I just wanted to kick him outside and lock the door for a hot sack, (laughs) because he was just... Going at it with Mm. Eileen. He's like, well, where have you been? Like, what kind of friend? He was questioning her friendship with Alice. Because, you know, he's dating Alice and, you know, coming to terms with, oh, maybe I like this person. And so he was, like, getting kind of, like, Papa Bearish a bit. Which (laughs) is good for him. Character growth, definitely, from when you first meet him. But (laughs) I was just like, who the fuck? Are you? And yeah. What gives you the right to talk to her like this? Yeah. Because, like, you come in, and, like, Simon, who has played both sides of mm-hmm. these, which, bless his little soul, because these are two very fiery, strong women, mm-hmm. in their own ways, yeah, and very stubborn. Very stubborn. And this poor man... <laughs> who is probably the most emotionally constipated out of all of them. Like, homeboy needs
0: a freaking, like, feelings laxative ASAP. Yeah. Because he I just... <laughs> I don't feel too sorry for him, though. And
1: No, I don't but. feel sorry for him in general. I'm saying in this moment, though. Oh, yeah. When, like, they're both acting like he betrayed them. Yeah. Because he was being devil's advocate with both of them. Yeah. Saying, like, you guys are best friends. Just, like... Get yeah. it together, and they just like, oh, it's oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like the concept of like, when two feral cats fight, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just like, it's like this little lost puppy that just like wants to play yeah. and like comes in the middle and yeah. it's, like, gets destroyed.
0: That's yes. just, that's essentially what that scene was, <laughs> and I was yeah. just like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so, okay, what would you? Rate it then overall <laughs> before we move on. Yeah, what's your what's your score? I give it three quarters
1: razzle. Okay, so, so it wasn't perfection in my my opinion, and I'm a lover of Sally Rooney. Mm-hmm. Um, so I
0: give it three quarters of a razzle. But what about you? Fair enough. I have been thinking about this. I originally was going to give it a full razzle, oh. but I think I'm going to give it, like, a five-sixth <laughs> <Razzle. laughs> Um These are very <laughs> statistical numbers we're Yes, like... yes, absolutely. This is very precise work. Um, but <laughs> I <a> think <laughs> I think, so, part of it is Alice's whininess. Yeah, the more I we think talk about it. The, yep, the more we talk about it, that really is just, like, it bugs me. I'm not saying that, like, just because you're successful doesn't mean you can't have problems, But the way she went about it really was not great. The other thing for me was that all of the characters really just kind of seemed like more archetypes of real people. I feel like I didn't, I was invested in this story, but I don't. I don't know, the characters didn't seem as real to me as like in conversations with friends or normal people, these seemed more like representations of people in the world versus characters that I really felt for. I feel like you could have swapped it, them out for any like people. Um, so because of that, I'm gonna bump it down a little, but I think overall, especially the letters between Alice and Eileen, razzle, loved.
1: Yeah, I think I have a very similar, that's why I didn't give it a full, Yeah. Because I mean, I think it was a good hybrid between like having a decent plot that moved along like normal people did, um, mm-hmm. and then having her writing style that she developed with conversation with friends. Mm-hmm. But overall, it took me a little longer than I would have liked to care about any of the characters. Like, I resonated the most with Eileen, mm-hmm. but even at Same. the end of the day, I was like, you are annoying. Yeah. <laughs> like I wasn't, yes, they were all kind of annoyed. And it wasn't like a character that you love to hate either. Right. It was just kind of like eh. Like yeah. you're a person that I probably would only call up if I knew you were buying drinks. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> Oh my gosh. But um that. you know, for me, like it just like I had to I wasn't invested in it, in enough to care about what happened to them. I enjoyed the ending. It's a different type of ending than any of her other books, mm-hmm. which
0: Kudos to her for branching out from the norm. And I don't have any other feelings. I think it is, for me, it is the first book that I have read that mentions the COVID 19 pandemic. Oh, really? Which is interesting to me because I know books have been being published, but this was one that was written during the pandemic. So at the end of the book, the pandemic is going on. And this is the first time that I've read it in a book which is a little jarring to me that we're like so far past 2020 and like book time that we're starting to read about it um which is just interesting I think um and it's interesting especially in the light of the questions the book raises because we all had that time during the pandemic to reflect and think about it um so that was interesting.
1: We're gonna just like quickly move along um to the last part other pad where we're gonna get off the book a little bit because my brain is hurting a little (laughs) um but quickly what are you watching
0: right now on TV oh my god you guys I just finished Squid Game and I have all the thoughts and I will not give any spoilers here but what the fuck I loved it so much I am not a big K drama person but this may have turned me into one which is crazy. It is on track to become Netflix's most watched show in the history of the platform, which is really exciting. It's so fucking good. It's about all of these players who are on the brink of financial ruin and they are offered by some like mystery man the opportunity to play in something called the Squid Games. Um, And if you win, you get a shit ton of money. I don't know. I kept having to like translate what the, you know currency was but it's like 20 million dollars you get if you win these games so but they soon figure out that it's like elimination from the game means death and I don't know it's it's really interesting I won't say much more than that you probably already know about it because it's like everywhere but yes um finish that I love that um and I'm in the middle of rewatching Gilmore Girls and Grey's Anatomy those are like <laughs> my fall feels right now And because I just finished some Stephen King books, I want to try to watch the film or series adaptations. Um, i got to find those. I know the Carrie movie is a classic.
1: Oh, Sissy Spacek? Yes. I highly recommend. She read the audiobook for Carrie. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I love... I I didn't read the book, but Mm -hmm. I've seen the movie. I've seen a lot of Stephen King movies, Mm -hmm. actually. Um, Don't watch the one with
0: Chloe... Uh, or whatever your okay. name is. Nobody okay. can replace Sissy. I know. So I'm, I'm excited to watch those, and they'll align very nicely with, like, Spooky Season in October. And um, similarly, there's a new show I want to start on Netflix called Midnight Mass, which is yeah, supposed to be really it. spooky and from the same creators of, like, what, it's The Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. So, yeah, oh, and it's a hottie in it, too. Who?
1: The hottie in it, um... I just know he's from Friday Night Lights.
0: Nice. I don't know. And he loves. like has
1: an H today because he probably sold his soul to the same <laughs> thing that uh Meryl Streep did in Death Becomes Her.
0: Mm. Um anyway, so yeah, and then of course my garbage reality show obsession continues and Bachelorette new season starts next week. So yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm watching. It's very, um, very mixed mixed bag. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um,
1: I am not on the bandwagon with the squid game. I see the memes. I'll probably get to it eventually. Don't make that face at me. (laughs) Um, I'm like a total stubborn, egotistical bitch with watching anything (laughs) that people are popularized and are talking about. I like to wait until the hype dies down and make my own opinions because it's like, uh, I'm like you know it's not a phase, mom. I just, <laughs> wanna, I just it's like I never want to be like part of the the sheep of the people. Wow, I know just fucking Awful. call me out. <laughs>
0: what are you saying? <laughs> And and I don't like to get swept away by the trends. I make my own trends. <laughs> I'll have you know, I did not watch Tiger King and it has been like almost two years. Yeah, I never finished so it. So, i oh it was not, not a sheep thing. there.
1: Um, but anyway, honestly, I don't care when other people do it. I just personally, I also just never get around to it. Yeah. Um, But I have been watching, it's Mid-October, when we're recording this, this will come out probably towards the end of the month, but I've been watching a lot of spooky things. I finally watched Scream 2. I watched Scream last year because I've avoided all scary movies, even though it's not that scary. Um, It's almost funny. Yeah, Yeah. it's actually, I was cracking up, Um, but I don't watch that many scary movies because I am a scaredy cat, and I will cry and ask to hold your hand, whoever's watching with me, so if you want to get it in, watch a scary movie with me, I'll hold your hand. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway. did you know? uh, Yes, it's my my go-to move. (laughs) Um, And then, more aligned with my little cheesy self, I watched the black and white I Married a Witch, which is, um, it's like a 40s movie, I want to say. It's actually really progressive. (laughs) For the most part. It's, Kind of the precursor to Bewitched. Mm. Um, You know, a lot of old-timey male thingies. But, like, Veronica (coughs) Lake, you you know, like, male, you know, domineering. Like, I'm the husband, do what I say, la, la, la. You know, (laughs) that's exactly how they Mm -hmm. talked. Um, But Veronica Lake, who plays Jennifer, the witch reincarnate, from, like, for, like, 300 years prior, oh, she's a badass bitch, man. Mm-hmm. She just like wants to fuck shit up and it's so fucking funny. Um but anyway, and then of course I've rewatched Practical Magic, 90s movie with Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock, which I had uh Ashton watch and she loved I loved, loved, loved.
0: I want to be Sandra Bullock. I've always, always wanted to be Sandra always. Bullock. But Sandra Bullock in Matt in Practical Magic is Perfection. She is. She's the literally perfect. Alone, the hair alone. The is hair, just like you could, the you style. Whole, oh, I fiction. am obsessed with her. I want to be her.
1: I know. I will. And like, I could go on. I don't want to talk for another hour about *Sandra and *Practical <laughs> Magic*, so I won't. But I rewatched that for the thousandth time, which I don't. It doesn't need to be October for me to watch oh, yeah. it. I watch it probably every month, which is sad to admit and then because of Sally Rooney i just started rewatching normal people the hulu adaptation on um on streaming and i mm, i have thoughts about like cuz i've rewatched it a couple times but like i'm watching it now in the lens of like knowing she has a more adult like these are teens into college age and now this third novel is like full-blown adult, like, late mm-hmm. 20s, early 30s, and it's interesting just to see her progression, uh, storytelling-wise as a writer, and just, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I still love the show a lot for the fashion and the aesthetic, oh, okay. and, um, the music in it is actually really good, but, um, I'm just curious, because, they're also coming out with an adaptation of Conversation with Friends, Mm -hmm. which I am interesting to see because it's Jemima Kirk, which is from, she's from, oh, God, what's she from? Girls. She's from Girls Mm. and Sex Education. And um, so it's an interesting role for her to play. And it's also Joe Alwyn is playing Mm -hmm. the guy who's uh, Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Um. But, yeah, anyway, to wrap up, Basically, uh, our lives, because we need you to l- let us get back to them, you know. Can't <laughs> keep talking about this forever. Uh, what? And we could, but we won't. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. And I don't want to hold you all hostage, you know, our three listeners. Um, <laughs> hi, Mom! <laughs> <laughs> um, but for reading, so... I'm still on my feminist kick mm-hmm. uh, surprise. <laughs> and uh additionally, it's not a phase. I know, <laughs> it's not a phase mom. Oh, uh, I think I actually uttered that once or twice with my leather. <laughs> um we're going to talk about why I said it, but anyway, <laughs> um <laughs> moving on. Yeah. So, I'm going to be reading soon The Days of Abandonment by Elena Elena Ferrante. I haven't read anything on it. I'm one of those people that I like to go on blind half the time about books, and mm-hmm. even if it's essays and things like that, I kind of just am along for the ride. And in honor of spooky season, I'm going to attempt Poe. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have not read, like, anything. I am, like, I think I read The Raven, mm-hmm. maybe. Like, I know it, mm-hmm. but... I never read the you know bodies in the floorboards and all Tell that stuff. heart.
0: Yeah, I think you see. Can't is, even remember the name. Is cask of amontillado? I think that's Poe too.
1: That's know. a good it one. Sounds like macchiato. Now I want coffee. <laughs> um, it's wine. <laughs> so <laughs> even better. Yeah. Oh. Um. So yeah, fall of usher. I want to read that just because I was listening to a podcast talk about it, and um, I'm embarrassed that I haven't read them, so I want to. But do you, before you go on your stuff, do you have any recs for me from Stephen King? Because I think I want to give him a go. Pop my little King cherry. (laughs) Jesus.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Too far. Yes. (laughs) Um, I I definitely recommend Salem's Lot. It depends, I guess, on the vibe you're going for. But I think Salem's Lot is very classic Stephen King in terms of how he's writing and the story. Um, It's classic horror, supernatural. Um, you know small main town invaded by vampires. Um, I really liked it and I also loved The Shining which is the one that follows Salem's Lot. Um, And They're both just like very different vibes. I, I don't know Salem's Lot gives me very like autumnal kind of spooky Halloween vibes and then from The Shining it's like told over the course of a winter so that might be a good season to read it in but basically like the main character just like descends into madness while he's Taking wow. care of a hotel over the winter. Cool, I can relate. All right, <laughs> so it's really good. Um, and of course, you know, there's the Kubrick adaptation to watch, even though we
1: I've seen it. I've I seen hate a lot
0: of Stanley Kubrick. But anyway, so I would Ooh. definitely recommend those two. That's a for another thing, cool. but yes, that's where I would start.
1: Cool. And what are you reading this this upcoming I, month? I
0: so I s- I want to stay on my like spooky kind of like dark kick because of the season. So um. I am really looking forward I think I want to reread The Secret History or If We Were Villains because it's just classic dark academia and it's like a cozy fall like spooky vibe so I'll probably reread one of those um and I usually reread Gatsby in the fall so I may do that um But other than that, I feel like I've been reading a lot of, like, commercial fiction, and I'd really love to read something more, like, literary going into fall, even though I will be reading a ton of, like, classic mysteries and things like that. So if you have any recs for dark academia mystery Mm -hmm. kind of things, I would love it. Yeah,
1: um, for dark academia mystery, I would recommend for you one of the more classic books, like, um... The Picture of Doreen Gray Mm. by Oscar Wilde. Mm Um, I actually read it this year. I Mm -hmm. I am stouted that I have not read it Mm -hmm. beforehand because it is right up my alley. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) it is, I won't go too far into it because we're running out of time, but it basically starts with, like, this flamboyant painter Mm -hmm. who, which, by the way, Oscar Wilde was, was gay. Um case anybody needed that news flash <laughs> but he was very kind of uh open about mm-hmm. a lot of things which is great for his yeah. time um groundbreaking. and so the artist is very flamboyant and is enamored with this 17 year old boy who's like cupid's crush like he's just like the golden boy perfection and la 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 and he's painting his portrait, and it's just, like, this holy thing, and then it's, like, he just paints with such fervor that it, it um, possibly translate into a, a bit of enchantment or whatever. I won't give too much away. Yeah. But, um, it's about the picture and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and then it just progresses from Dorian becoming this shallow little shit, almost, <laughs> <laughs> um... He's high as hell, so he gets away with it, you know how that goes. And he's rich, yeah. Um, And he comes under this wing, the wing of a really uh, rich dude who um, is just an asshole. (laughs) But it's just interesting the way Mm -hmm. it plays out. And it's uh, what I like about it is that everyone is in love with Dorian, men, women, whatever, and they do whatever he asks. And it's funny because it's like Dorian just goes along with it. Mm-hmm. It, it totally just changes up a l- way of looking at that time period when it was written. I mm-hmm. it was written like, I'm not even gonna go on record and say it because I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Um, Decades <laughs> I don't ago. that sounds stupid. <laughs> 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 but long story short, it's definitely a good cozy fall read. There's a mystery, there's murder. Ooh. And madness, and revenge, and mm. death, and nice. all this stuff that you'd want for spooky season. Yeah, nice. I highly recommend that one. Okay, cool. But yeah, um, I think, yeah, that's it. Um, I'm looking for how Hall- forward to Halloween and some spooky activities. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know what I'm going to be this year. Do you?
0: I am working on Halloween, so I so think I. I'll be a retail worker. Oh, <laughs> I'm working,
1: but I don't care. I love dressing up. Um, a couple friends of mm-hmm. mine and I are going to be the Michelle Pfeifers. Oh. Yes. I so love that. um So, I'm going to be the obscure one, which is of Eastwick, Suki, which no one will get, but plus I get to wear pajamas and a top hat.
0: So, I love that. I love that for you. We'll see
1: how this all unravels next month. With that, we shall bid you adieu to you. That's Razzlefrat.